0: to do what only he can do. Abba Father, thank you for the way that you love and how you care and show faithfulness to us. Holy Spirit, be real to every person in this room. Go to places in our hearts where there's no English language, where doubt and fear and questions exist that we're sometimes afraid to even articulate. Would you please bless now? Open our eyes, open our ears on what it means to understand you and follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm including that little graphic uh, of the, uh, the girl with anorexia nervosa, very serious mental illness. And uh, normally it's always afflicting females. It's a, it's a condition typically uh, battling females. And um, the brain gets... gets um, uh, the wiring gets all mixed up. And you can weigh 60 pounds and be just bones with skin covering and look in the mirror and see a 250-pound person. And they can't work past the image that they see, and it's crushing for some people. So self-esteem and how we value ourselves is a, is a critical, critical issue. All right. Please, would you do this? Would you please be patient today? The, I, you can ask Lisa. I, just, I am so burdened about going through this series with you all. I believe this is some of the most life-changing things that we're going to ever hear, okay? This is really, really where it's at. So following Jesus is repeating his words and replicating his actions with his heart motives, all right? Saying the kinds of things that he would say, doing the kinds of things that he would do, and doing so with his heart motives, all right? When you have the esteem of Christ... You are seeing and valuing yourself the same way that Jesus saw and valued himself. So let's dig in on this idea. Jesus Christ, if you read the Gospels, presents himself as being a follower of God. Jesus Christ presents himself as being a follower of God. When did it begin? It begins in Luke 2. Here's the story it's Passover, Jesus turns 12. There's a a, a a Jewish process of what you you know a, how you guide a boy at twelve into becoming a man, a moral ethical man, in Hebrew, bar mitzvah, for the the son of the law. For a girl, bat mitzvah, a daughter of the law. And in this story, they go through these these sacred tra- traditions. They go through this process and Jesus stays behind and the whole caravan is heading back to their original uh, place where they live. They go a day's journey. Mary and Joseph realize they don't know where Jesus is. He's gone. A day's journey out, a day's journey back. They search three days in Jerusalem and they finally find him. He's been gone for five days. That's a long time for a mom and a dad to be separated from the 12-year-old son. Verse 46. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, not his father, his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us this way? That's just what a mom would say. I carried you nine months. I went through the valley of the shadow of death for you. You can hear it. Why have you treated us this way? I bet Joseph is just scratching his head and saying, oh boy, here it comes, here it comes, here it comes. He's just being quiet. Behold, your father and I, she's speaking for him, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? The phrase in my father's house is a Sem- Semitism. It's, it's a Hebraic statement, and it literally means, don't you know I had to be about the business of my father or the business of my father's house? So please listen to this. At the age of 12, Jesus made the life-changing decision to be about the business of his father. And his father represents a kingdom. And Jesus Christ, at age 12, not 30, not 40, not 50, not 60, not 70, but at age 12, decided that he would be about his father's business, his house and his kingdom. Look what else happens. Look at the relationship of Jesus to the Spirit. Jesus is baptized. While he was praying, heaven was open, and the Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove. Jesus receives the Spirit. It lights on him like a dove. In Luke 4, verse 1, Jesus, now full of the Spirit, returns from the Jordan, about a 70-mile walk, by the way, and was led around by the Spirit. Then look at this in Luke four fourteen: Christ returns uh, to Galilee in the power of the Spirit, and then after entering a synagogue, he confesses publicly that the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. So look at this. you get get this really unique um, sequence here in Luke's gospel, where you have Jesus receiving the spirit, he's full of the spirit, he's led by the spirit, he now is in the power of the spirit, and he can publicly say the spirit of the Lord is on him. What an amazing thing to say, he can say that. Why does Luke present that in his gospel? Because Luke is showing us, this is what it means to be Christian. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me explain. Um, some of you guys, you, you study literature. Is, when you're going to interpret a literary document, document, do you need to know what the genre is? Okay, uh getting ready to complete medical school. Uh, if I want to get some really good medical information, do you think I should grab the National Enquirer off the rack at Kroger to figure out some stuff medically? You know, Jet smiling like, no. Do you think I'd be better off looking at the Oxford Medical Journal, New England Journal of Medicine, or Lancet or something? Do you think I'd be a better source? That's because of genre. One is pulp, cheap gossip. One appeals to, to the midbrain, and the other appeals to the forebrain. All right? You read the New England Journal of Medi- Medicine, get your vocab ready to deal with it. Okay? Because it's medical information. What's the genre of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? What's the genre? Literary genre. What is it? Somebody. What? It's biography. Yes, it's Greco-Roman biography. Now, if you know anything about Greco-Roman biography, what's the purpose behind the document, the writing? What's the purpose? Tell about the life of Jesus. Report a life, certainly, but it's more than that. What is it? Make you
1: like a central figure. What's that? Make you like a central
0: figure. Exactly, because Rome was an honor-shame society. The Greco-Roman world is an honor-shame culture, all right? And if you're an honorable person, you are required to imitate honor code to be like the ideal citizen of the state. So you're right, Linda, the Gospels present Jesus Christ as the ideal citizen of the state. Uh, Winston Churchill, do you think he's an ideal citizen of the state of Great Britain? In some ways, yes. Some think Margaret Thatcher, brilliant woman in what she did. Others think she's hated because she destroyed the coal industry in Durham, England. And they can't stand Margaret Thatcher, right? Well, every culture has its heroes and its zeros. In the Greco-Roman world, an honor same culture, you present, you present the ideal citizen so all the citizens of the state who want to be honorable will be just like him or her. Does this make sense? So when you read the Gospels and you get that it's biography, you get this. You are instantly, and I mean instantly, obligated to imitate the ideal citizen, Jesus Christ. Instantly, that's the point of Greco-Roman biography. So look, at Jesus Christ receives the Spirit, full of the Spirit, led by the Spirit, returns in the power of the Spirit, and then is able to say then, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. You know what disturbs me and Lisa oftentimes about Christians we've known through the years? They like the last one. They like the last one. Hey, you know, the Spirit's on me, and I just have some things to say in the Spirit to you. And you know what? <laughs> they don't walk in the Spirit, Michael. They're, they're not living it out, but they love to, to, to use the Spirit in a manipulative way. And that's when Christians are hurting Christians. Because they're, they're claiming to be a follower, but they're not living it out like a follower at all. And that's a sad thing. Okay, look at this next one here. Um, John 5. Jesus is confessing. He says, whatever the Father does, these things the Son does also in like manner. John 8. I speak the things the Father taught me. John 12. I, the things that I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. John 14, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. Do you see a pattern here of this ideal citizen of the ideal kingdom, Jesus Christ, about the business of his Father in the kingdom of God? Do you see a pattern? Do you see that Jesus is a follower of God? Do you see that Jesus is literally proving himself to be an an ideal disciple? What do disciples do? You repeat his words and you replicate the actions. Look at that. He's saying, I say the things of my father. I do the things of my father. He represents the ideal citizen. What about the cost of discipleship? This is where we're going to get down to a fine point here, people. Okay, Jesus made it very clear that there's a narrow way. The way to heaven is not a superhighway. It's not. It's a very narrow way. And it's so narrow, Jesus said that few find it. That's how narrow it is. Few find it, all right? So in Luke 9, he says, If anyone wants, anyone wants to come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, follow me. And, and look at verse 26 Whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory, in the glory of the Father and of the holy angels. Taking the words of Jesus seriously is, is important, okay? Luke 9, Jesus said, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Luke 14, if anyone comes to me and does not hate, and by the way, that's not some odd, obscure word. <laughs> it means hate, Okay? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33. So then none of you can be my disciples who does not give up all of his own possessions even if you think you possess relationships or wealth or whatever it is, if you hold those more dear to to, to yourself than to him, you cannot be his disciples. Can you imagine Jesus 40 days without food? He's in the desert. I would imagine there were some stones that looked a lot like a baked loaf of bread. And they are hot in the Galilean sun. And he looks at that loaf and Satan says, I know you're hungry. Just give the word and turn that stone into bread. Jesus immediately repeats the words of his his father. It is written, man will not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. He immediately quotes scripture. Satan shows him all the kingdoms of the world and says, you can have it all. You get all of it. Just worship me. Jesus, repeating the words of his father, said, you shall worship the Lord your God. Satan takes him to the high point of the the, the temple. Look, I know scripture too. You think you're the only one that knows scripture? I know scripture too. Jump off, because it is written that, that God will not let your foot strike against a stone. He'll send angels to bear you up. Jesus repeats the words of his father. You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. You know what those three temptations represent? The need for the gratification of the flesh. We need food to survive, right? The ego need to own things, possessions. I'll give you the glory of the world. You get it all. Just worship me. And that last one, this is the biggie. We want to be our own God. Can you imagine being able to play God and say, hey, watch me. I can jump off of high places and break the laws of physics. I've got power. I'm magic. Can you imagine the ego needs that would come if you had that kind of power? And Jesus Christ resisted at all three levels. I think it's fascinating that when Jesus said, what does a man profit if he gets the whole world? That was the very temptation that he faced. He could have had the whole world and profited from it, but he refused because he said, I will worship God only. What about this, John 12? You've already looked at this. To be a follower of Jesus, you repeat his words and you replicate his actions. You talk like and act like Jesus. John 12, I speak the things of the Father. John 5, I do the things of my Father. I do exactly as you do. Do you see that Jesus is literally acting out what he expects us to do? This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. So let me, let me put it this way. At the age of 12, he made a life changing decision a decision to be about the business of his father and he made a decision to only see himself through the eyes of his father. How are you doing? How's that working out for you? <laughs> Do you feel like you're doing that? Are you about the kingdom, the business of the kingdom of God? Are you resisting all the corrupt forms of man-made religion, all the denominational filtering and all the ways that we try to get a brand and, and And twist and and make religion about a habit and clubs and denominations. Do you have the ability to cut through all that and get down to the core idea that being a Christian is following Jesus? And when you do that, his core convictions are your core convictions, his unique behaviors are your unique behaviors. And there's no getting around that, okay? It is the narrow way the very narrow way, okay? It means you set your hand to the plow and you don't look back. It means you believe, just like he can make a flower beautiful, just like he can feed a bird that does not plant, does not harvest, and does not stir into barns, and yet somehow the bird eats, in the same way, will he not clothe you and will he not feed you? Is this not true? If that's his core conviction, Shouldn't that be our core conviction? That the Father will never leave us or forsake us. Now, if you're like me, I can be pretty beaten up sometimes, right? Look at Hebrews 4. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may find mercy, receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus Christ is a follower of God. Those he calls to himself are required, expected to be a follower of him. This is what it means to be Christian. This is what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You are the gifted body of Christ. This is what we do together. Why does this matter? What has to take place in our souls between our ears for us to set our hand to the plow and not look back.
2: Chris, I think it, like, just like Jesus made a decision, it wasn't, it didn't start out in the emotion, you know, is that a waiver? It's like, man, it just set his, set his heart like flint, is that what it says? Yes.
0: You know? Yep. And, and Luke's gospel. Yes. Yep, yeah, that's good, Branson. Good. Someone else, why does this matter?
3: really convicted me right now about how um, the way is narrow. You know? Yes. And if I'm being honest with myself, if I'm not on a narrow path anymore. So I would say about um, just Christians in general, you know? Yes.
0: Yes. Then I believe that if we're not under conviction right now, something's wrong. Mm Let me read to you from Hebrews 6. In the case of those Christians, or those who claim to be Christians, in the case of those who have been once enlightened and have tasted of the heavenly gift, and have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit, and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come, and then have fallen away, it is impossible to renew them again to repentance since they again crucify to themselves the Son of God and put him to an open shame. There's something seriously wrong with the Put your hand, your hand to the plow, and then take your hand off again. Then put your hand to the plow, and then take it off again. Then hand on the plow, and then take it off again. And according to the writer of Hebrews, it's as though we are abusing Jesus, like it's fine for us to tack him up on the cross one more time. Huh? What's the problem with that? He just loves me anyway. Let's just nail him one more time. <clears throat> no, we don't need that. Yes. You. Sure.
4: Um, is it an American philosophy or is it just a world thing where we struggle, let go of things and stuff, and it's almost like opposite of what he's asking for? <coughs> that yeah. like, are all around us? It's, it's like yeah. a complacency here. I feel like I don't know if it's in other places. It is. It's every culture, it's, it's people. Yeah.
0: Yes, it's a very narrow way, isn't it? Yeah. And he said, few find it. Few find it. You know that's what? Scary. It's very scary. You know what? And there's some guys on TV. Can I just pick just a little bit? They'll say something like this. You know, if you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, you're born again. We believe you got saved. Well, we believe you're born again. It's like, that's it. You know, when I go into McDonald's, that doesn't turn me into a hamburger, you know. If I, go to Chick- if I worship at Chick-fil-A, that doesn't make me a chicken nugget just because I walk in the building, right? This guy on TV who has hundreds of thousands of people tuning in, and he says, if you believe that Jesus is born again, I believe you got saved, and just close your eyes and say it, I'm saved. I'm like, what? You don't find that in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John at all. And what, you, know, you know what's sick? What's sick is facing the judgment of hell. You know what's really sick? Thinking you're going to heaven when you're not. That's really bad. That's the worst. That, that's like way worse than cancer. <laughs> way worse than heart disease is thinking you're born again when you're not. Because somebody on TV smiles with this golden smile and says, I believe you got born again. No. The way is narrow. Few find it. It's not a superhighway. Yes.
4: I guess mine is sort of a question too, or I just have a hard time reconciling that. He says few find it, but we also know that if even one sheep is lost, he he pursues that sheep. And so to me it's like for the unbelievers out there do they you know really have a chance of finding the narrow way i want to think they do because i know that you know jesus is going to pursue them but i also know that we have free will and then yes. yeah. um to kind of piggyback off of what's already been said about denying ourselves and being willing to give up all possessions and things like that I, I don't really mean that. I don't really think that that means we go around being martyrs and without right, anything, right. either. Oh. You know, because okay. every good and perfect gift comes from above. So I, I guess I just kind of struggle with.
0: Yeah, yeah.
4: Putting it
0: all together. Sure. Does someone want to answer that? Yeah, go ahead, Michael.
1: my left to I was like everybody else. And mm-hmm. I was carrying that Christian label without carrying the cross and dying for myself. Mm-hmm. And um, you know that's that's why so many people kind of you know if they looked at me and thought I was a Christian, they wouldn't have been very impressed and I I wouldn't let anybody down the right path uh, yeah. like
0: in my past. Yeah. Yeah. That's
1: just something that uh, I just felt
0: like I said. That's good Michael, thank you. Emily, thank you. Your your heart is so tender and so beautiful. So here's what happens. Let's think of it this way. Uh, I, I, my heart, if you could allow my right hand to represent my heart, can only hold one thing at a time, right? I can't, I can't be full of the world and try to cling the possessions and, and make, make the things of this world my God, or make food or Cheetos my God, or anything like that, right? Or my ego. I cannot do that and be a follower of Jesus at the same time. I've got to empty myself and I've got to be full of Christ. Makes sense? This is what he's talking about. That if you, would, it's like the rich young ruler. He comes up and says, hey, I've been a great guy and I've kept all the rules. And is there anything I'm missing? Is there something I need? What can I do to make sure I get in? And Jesus says, "You know, really? Okay, well, sell everything you have and follow me. He, he pulls the very thing he said in, in Luke's gospel. So all that you have to follow me. And what did the guy do? No, I'm not, gonna do that. Nope, I'm not letting go of that one. So that's what he's talking about, Emily. It's about are you willing to really get your hand on the plow? Okay. Now, we know that when you renounce family, if it's a matter of choosing Jesus or choosing your spouse, you choose Jesus. Ouch. It's a matter of choosing Jesus or a child. You choose Jesus Christ. Mother, father, it doesn't matter. You choose Jesus. Your job, all those things, all the best that this world has to offer, you choose Jesus Christ. Okay, that is, this is the narrow way. And yet, once you experience the new birth, now discipleship kicks in. And now we are obligated not to go back to live in the old ways, Michael. Michael but to begin to produce the fruit of the Spirit. So it's not a matter of, gee, I own a pretty nice car and have a nice closet full of clothes and a house. That must prove I'm not a follower of Jesus. No, that's not the point. It's a matter of, are you willing to be completely empty of yourself to become a follower of Jesus Christ? And are you willing to stay empty of yourself to demonstrate that you are a follower of Jesus? so that you are memorizing and repeating his words, you are doing his behaviors. Because Paul writes in Timothy that God gives us richly to enjoy, and you can't neglect your own family. You gotta, a man's got to work to provide for his own family. So it, there's balance in that. One is about being a Christian, the other is about being a disciple. Does that make sense? So, Tony. You, you saw the wheels turning <laughs> Um, I'm reminded of the book about this overall subject uh, called In Your Steps, or In His In Steps. In His Steps, yeah. Yes.
4: Um, that was, I read that first a long time ago, but that was a beginning of understanding what it was to have Christ's esteemed mm-hmm. by Charles Sheldon. I
0: mm-hmm. Charles M. Sheldon, yes, yes. Um, the fact that we are to be walking as he walked is yes. imitating yes. him. yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So that that helps mm-hmm. understand, mm-hmm. and it's a process. Yes, yes.
4: It's letting go. <clears throat> by yeah. And yeah. sometimes it's very marked times. Yes. That you let go. Yes. Of all that's around you. The world,
0: sure, sure. Here. Yes, Johnny. We need we need to maintain wisdom here right now. I, I'm afraid that you might get pulled into something that's not healthy. You know, we, uh, just saying, we, um, we love the sweets, don't we? We love candy. We like spiritual candy. And, and give me four principles to help me conquer my pimples and my problems and guarantee me to have financial prosperity. In Jesus' name, amen. I like that church, okay? Um, that's not the stuff Jesus dishes out, does it? That's not what he serves up, okay? Please bear with me. There's tension here. There's, there should be tension this morning, okay? Because the fact is, if we kind of soften this up and dumb it down and, and, and go, well, that's not really what he meant, you know, and there's some angle that we can work to this. No, no. We have got to hear the ancient Mediterranean voice of Jesus Christ and say, if you are not willing to take up your cross and follow me, you can't be my disciple. We can't explain that away. <coughs> And you can't play the grace card on that one. Well, it's all Jesus, and it's none of you. It's all him, and let's just go all grace. No, you can't do that either. Jesus didn't do it. He made people responsible. And there's tension. And that's why in John 1.17, Moses brought the law. But in Jesus Christ, we have grace and truth. And they're held in tension. And the truth is, he didn't lie when he said this stuff. That's the truth. He's not lying. The way is narrow, and there's no explaining that one away. There's no explaining it away when he said you can't put your hand on the plow and take it off and on and off and on. You can't explain that away and soften it into some little metaphor or analogy that, that's less intimidating. This is the sharp edge of the sword. This is the word of God. Jesus Christ is a follower of God. Jesus expects the people he calls to do exactly as he has done. And we're not going to play the grace card and soften it up, and we're not going to play this card or some denominational spin on what this stuff means. He's very serious. We are here to be a follower of Jesus. And if we somehow can't get get around to saying the kinds of things that he would say, and if we can't get around to doing the kinds of things that he would do, then why do we call ourselves Christian? If I claim to be a follower of Moses, I keep Torah. If I claim to be a follower of Diogenes, the cynic, the dog, nicknamed the dog, then I will choose to be rude to everybody I see and renounce all materialism. And by doing that, to go, ah, you follow the dog. You follow the cynic Diogenes. If I choose to follow Jesus.
5: Joe? This is stunning <coughs> simplicity, is it? Yes. I mean, there is nothing else wrapped here. It's just very easy. Okay. Five, six lines. Here's what you're supposed to do to follow me. But it's harder than any doctrinal creed, harder than any set up laws that we built up around this. And it's easy to read it and get so sting and discouraged that you think you'll never get there, which is probably why we don't talk about it. All but it helps me to remember that he had a group of guys who hung out with him for three and a half years and saw every miracle he ever did, and when he was even to the point of raised up into heaven and still took off, didn't just turn back from the plow, but <laughs> left the plow there in the field and ran. Ran <laughs> hard. And they still were welcomed back. And yes. that again is not to say, oh, well, the heck are And they've run away 100 times. They stuck around the next time. So while we may have doubt and <clears throat> concern as to whether or not we can pull this off, even his greatest disciples faulted. But at the end of the day, they stuck around and did their job.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Chip. John?
3: Yeah. Um, so the other day I was uh, laying in bed and felt like the Lord was me and reminding me that I'm to be like an instrument and uh, so as believers as children of God I believe we've all been made like an instrument um, and if you think about like those guitars up there on the stage they're pretty useless until they've been put to the hands of a musician that makes them sound yeah. Yeah. and uh, I just felt like the Lord was just tuning me in my heart and um, causing, you know, my motives to be right or for the strings to be tuned to where um, that my whole life, that I that I would only make sounds that he makes, Yeah. that I would only do the things that he inspires yeah. me to do. Um, yeah. I think the only way we achieve this life with God that would be pleasing to him is that he's the only one that Yes. And that we don't let the world play us here and there and, and then come back and all over. Or even what he's talking about about leaving your wife or your children, I think even they can't play us. We have yes. to be played by the one that made us to be. Yes. And then our life is a beautiful life. And I think, like, the concern about non believers and this whole thing being complicated to understand for folks that don't know the gospel. I mean, when he's playing us, It's attractive, and um, people want Jesus. They want to sound like that. They want to be beautiful like that. They they want into the kingdom when when it's obvious that He is your life. You know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. No, that's good, John. You know one of Jesus' core values. This can I? This is an ouchie. Okay, you ready for this? This is gonna ouch. One of His core values is that there really is a place called hell. Did you know that? Now, I'm not going to say that you have to believe that, but I'm telling you he did, okay? He did, and it's like real simple. He believed that there are two consequential realities. One is called hell, and one is called heaven. He believes it, and again, you can dumb it down, or you can smart it up, you can do what you want with it, but that's what his (coughs) core values were and are, all right? And guess what? those who are born again john 3:3 3, 3, if you are not born again you will not see the kingdom of god period not hard all right that is a consequential reality okay the other consequential reality is a, is a judgment nicknamed hell all right and it's horrible okay Choosing to become a follower of Jesus Christ through the process of the new birth and the work of the Holy Spirit is amazing. It is life-changing. And the consequential reality of that is the kingdom of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is the gospel. right? Yes, sir. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 that one. uh, Thank you, thank you, James. And that one's that idea that Christians use it as a leveraging point has been around for centuries. And yet, and the tension, James, is that it is absolutely undeniable that that was a core value of Jesus. It really was, you know. And uh, C.S. Lewis, a wonderful British chap came up with this idea that when you work through the Gospels, you are, you're backed into a corner. And C.S. Lewis was one smart guy. I mean, he had to sit at front lobes, right? Okay. He said it, it creates a quad dilemma, a fourfold problem. Either Jesus is insane. He's just insane. He's crazy. He has no idea what he's talking about, and the poor man's a lunatic. All right? Or he's just misinformed. He's just a religious fanatic. And he he means well, but he's just radically misinformed. Or, third, he is, quite frankly, uh, a sick, mean, cruel man. And he's intentionally lying to manipulate people. And then, of course, as C.S. Lewis concluded, or he's telling the truth. And he's serious about it. Now, and this is where we kind of separate ourselves with a lot of people, James, you know. You've got, you want to follow the way of Islam? Do it. Do it. Follow the way of Islam. Uh, Islam means peace. And peace will only come through Muslim domination. Okay? That's your way. If you want to follow the, the Bhagavad Gitas, the writings of the Hindus, and all the other religious systems, you've got all that. It's all available. And they have their consequential realities too. But if you choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ... This is something that was without question a core value of Jesus. And if I'm going to be his follower, I am under obligation to repeat his words and replicate his ministry actions. So James, you're right. There's a ton of pressure on this stuff, my friend. And there's a ton of, pr- and there's a ton of pressure in all other religious systems too. Uh, so it's not like, it, it's not like consequences are something new. Like yeah, we, can't, we can't avoid it all. Does that make sense? Yeah, kind of. You, you know, I hope so. I hope so.
5: so. You are know, talking about Christians and being like uh, people think they join in a club, you just join the club and then you're in. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Well,
5: I listened to a fellow on that tell us that he was talking about military uh, spending. Is it evangelical. And he says, it's a really good time to be evangelical with the parent military, etc. So I don't mean to be political, but how would a, a Christian support $600
0: billion dollars yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go, James, thank you. You're thinking critically, right. Yes, thank you. You know, and, and, and Michael, what does it mean to be pro-life? Is it just about the baby in the womb? Uh, but I mean, it's, it's like in utero to the grave, right? You've got to be pro-life people. You're thinking in the right way, James, thank you, yes. And here you are, now as a Brett, you know, looking and evaluating American culture, you, you're bringing in some good stuff here, yeah. What does it mean to really be a follower of Christ and what's the implication even in the political arena? That's good, James. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Mason.
6: I think it's very important for when we, when we speak about heaven and hell to address what it actually is. Lots of times it's easy for uh, Christians to, when we speak about it incorrectly, we can say, speak about hell as if it's a torture chamber place um, made to scare people into choosing Christianity. Where what we need to be thinking about it as is heaven is a place with God. Mm-hmm. Hell is a place without God.
5: Mm-hmm.
6: And the experiences that we as individuals have had um, throughout this world that have been some of the worst in our life, in my life, I want to speak for myself, has been my um, Kind of like what James said is when like I've made my own hell, Is when I worshiped me, I made my choices, it was all about me, um, and I chose Satanism, which is worshiping myself. And so that's discerning the difference between it's not a torture chamber, but it's a place where either heaven, you are fully with God and experiencing all the love and the amazingness of God, or you are fully without God and with Satan, and all of the terrible, I mean, indescribable, you know, the alliteration or the uh, explanation of of burning and never dying uh, without him. And just having a right sense of what that looks like,
0: not Mm -hmm. saying, Mm -hmm.
6: here's your time out, that you get put in the corner, where you get tortured for the rest of eternity, Uh, but it's a place without God. And we have to Mm -hmm. explain that, Mm-hmm. in a way that it's it makes sense to only choose God
0: yes, yes thank you Mason, thank you so let's do this just because of the time you all are so gracious you know, there's no way you can do four pe- points, four principles to conquer your finances and principle pimples you, you just can't. this is not the stuff of the world this is the stuff of Jesus right now let's do this we don't need to miss we don't need to miss the point. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? And that's kind of a yes or no. <laughs> you know, it's a yes or no thing. It's it's not like, well, I'm in process. Are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Jesus Christ at the age of 12 made a life-changing decision. It doesn't matter if you're my age or you're 12, that is the most intelligent, and I believe, the most intelligent decision of your life. Because once that happens, you now have the ability and the mandate to love as he loved and to be the most humanitarian person on the planet. Because you are a follower of Jesus Christ. And you're able to speak with grace his words and live with grace his behaviors. And from that, John, we're playing his song. Okay? And guess what? It costs us everything. It costs everything to do that. Okay? Do you understand that Jesus wouldn't make it in the average Baptist church? Do you understand that? <laughs> if you were on staff, it wouldn't go well. It wouldn't go well at all because there's something really annoying about his sermons, right? He talks about a narrow way and a plow and a, you know, things we don't like to hear sometimes. He wouldn't make it on staff in the church. Wouldn't make it. They'd have him fired. So, Philip, you get the last one.
2: You know, I like that you said there's conflict going on in the church right now in this teaching. It's hard. And that tells me that a lot of us in here are having a battle between the flesh and the Spirit going on. And I like that you referenced it before, too, because Jesus is full of the Holy Spirit and is led by the Holy Spirit and returns in the power of the Holy Spirit. And even right now, the Holy Spirit led you here today to hear these words. And the Holy Spirit is telling you right now what you need to address in your life to follow the cross and follow Jesus to the full. And so, as we come from here and in worship, let's not waste the time of the body by talking about things that aren't of the Spirit. If the Holy Spirit wants you to talk to someone about something really, truly going on in your life, we need to address that today.
0: Mm -hmm. Thank you, Philip, so much. Paul writes, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. I want to pray for you all. Abba, Father, I know you're doing your deep work in us all. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you go to those secret places. For some of us, it's where we manufacture excuses. And we come up with every angle and every loophole and every reason to put you off. For others, it's a place of deep pain, where if we admitted it, we're pretty mad at you because when we were experiencing trauma, you weren't there to stop it, and we think it's all your fault, and we're pretty mad at you right now. For others, it's just the fact that you seem to be so distant, so far away, so quiet, that it's like you're only an idea, you're only some manufacturing uh, thought of some culture, some man-made idea. But the fact is that you are Jesus, you are the Christ, you are the Son of the living God, you are the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father except through you. And you've told us that you are the Good Shepherd, and that you lay down your life for the sheep, and that the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy, but you came to give life, and you came to give it abundantly a life far far more wonderful than we could ever imagine as Paul wrote that that you're able to do exceedingly and abundantly far beyond anything we could ever imagine and Paul writes eye has not seen ear has not heard neither has it even entered the heart of man the things that you are preparing for those that love you Or I pray that every person that's here they would not leave this place without making the life changing decision to become a follower of you please Thank you for the sanity of faith and of hope and of love. In Jesus' name, amen.